Speedway, Indiana. W286CM. Available in HD. Broadcasting from the 99%Approved.com studio. Go drop in. It's the moment y'all been waiting for. It's the show where Indy comes to talk. Open lines with Indy's newsman, Cameron Riddle. Starts now on the new hot 100.9. Indy's hip-hop station. Hold up. Good Sunday morning to you, Indianapolis. It is April 16th, 2023. I uh, hope you got your taxes done because those are due on Tuesday instead of yesterday, which is traditionally tax day. So if you don't have those done, go ahead and file an extension now so you can avoid uh, getting a penalty. You got an extension until uh, this coming uh, Tuesday is the official tax day this year, April 15th. Also, a number of birthdays, including the one and only Mrs. Riddle, who had a birthday yesterday. She's now 32. She's sleeping right now, and I should be asleep right now because it was a late night, and we worked last night doing the 10 o'clock news, so thank you for all those who stayed up late with us. We didn't leave the station until midnight last night, and 8 o'clock, we're back here doing radio. So, hey, it's a good day, and it's going to be a good show. Thanks for staying along with it wherever we go. Today, we're going to go a number of places, including talking about some news in the second half of the show where the Indianapolis Fraternal Order of Police is saying to the chief of police, don't send us to mental health calls if we're going to get arrested and charged for how we handle the situation. This comes after uh, two officers have been charged, have been indicted in the death of Herman Whitfield III, who last April, his family called 911 for some assistance as he was going through a psychosis. It ended up with him being killed uh, by police. And so charges have now been filed this week by the Marion County Prosecutor's Office. And the Fraternal Order of Police is now clapping back, if you will, saying, if our officers are going to get arrested, then we shouldn't be sent to any of these mental health calls unless there is a confirmed threat or crime that has happened. So what do you think about that? We'll talk about that in the second half of our show. Call us later, 317-239-1009, 317-239-1009. We'll talk about that at about 8.30. But between now and then, we've got two topics to hit on, including what is happening uh, at Eskenazi Health as they are trying to uh, lower health disparities here in Marion County. They are spending millions of dollars to make a difference. We will talk with them coming up in the moment, in moments at about 8.15 to find out what they're doing and how you can be a part of it. But we will start the show this morning talking about uh, the good things that are happening at the Indianapolis Public Library. There's been a lot in the headlines at the library uh, over the past couple of months. But this morning, uh, we will be talking with the NDPL about a initiative that they have that they hope will inspire the next generation of doctors. They're going to do it through history. Um, Cordelia Watkins is on our live line. Uh, she is the chairwoman of the African-American History Committee, uh, along with a couple of other roles that she uh, plays there at the library. Uh, Cordia joins us on our live line here this morning to tell us uh, how the library is trying to attract youth through the history and the books on its shelf to take up a career in healthcare. Ms. Watkins, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. 
thank you so much for coming um, on the show and all of your work um, at the library. How long have you worked there? I have worked for the Indianapolis Public Library for 28 years. Oh, we. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much for, for what you do. This uh, uh, The African American History Committee has taken on um, a special assignment uh, to help inspire and attract young people to healthcare. If if there's nothing that we didn't learn over the past three years or so with the pandemic, it's that uh, everybody at some point is going to need some healthcare. They will. They will. Um, yes, we are excited. Um, actually, you know, we started this journey during COVID, and unfortunately, we had to keep pushing it off and pushing it off. Um, salute to Black medical heroes. Um, the initiative started because there was basically um, a lack of Black Americans or African Americans that were actually in medical school. The number was going down, and so we wanted to come along and help people at a young age um, be able to look into that field and show them that they can actually do that. And that's why we started this actually initiative. So what exactly are you, um, how will you inspire? How will you use the, the, the history? I'm sure some of the information that is on your shelf to say, hey, look, you too can do this. Yes. I mean, there's several books. Um, we are excited. You know, this started, like I said, in the pandemic, and we've done a few things thus far. Um, Salute to Black Medical Heroes um, started with, um, actually, we started with a film. Um, then in October, we honored some our own Black medical heroes in Indianapolis, where the public was able to nominate names, and we were able to honor them. And so this Friday, what we'll do is we'll have what we're calling a youth summit. Um, we are so excited. The youth will be in the building. Um, they'll get to go through all kinds of scenarios, like dissecting aisle pellets and lungs and all kind of things. Um, so this is just to encourage them. This will be some hands-on. Um, we'll have some mentors in the building where they'll actually be able to talk to some medical heroes, let them have a conversation and encourage them to actually get into the medical field. So this is very exciting for us for our youth summit. How did uh, is is this the first time that uh, this youth summit will will happen or focus on healthcare? Yes, this is the first time that we've ever done the youth summit. Um, it has been really great. Um, you know, we've had some we had some great partners. We have Eskenazi. I heard you talking about Eskenazi. Mm -hmm. They're our main, actually our main funder. Community Health Network, um, Mariana University College. Um, IUPUI, um, the Division of Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, Indiana University School of Medicine. All these people will be there, Indiana University Health, um, Metropolitan Indianapolis Central Indiana Area Health Education Center, HBC International, University of Indianapolis. I mean, all of these will be here to help us. Um, they'll be there to encourage the youth. They'll be there to mentor the youth. Um, to actually even, you know, part of the, when we watched the film a couple of years ago, part of it even, you know, we found out there's some blockage even getting in to uh, medical school. And so we want to be able to talk to the young people, um, actually as young as grades three, because I think that's when you start formulating, what mm -hmm. do you want to do in your life? Mm -hmm. 
So we're going all the way to grades three, all the way up. If you've got a question for Ms. Watkins of the Indianapolis Public Library, you can call in right now. We've got a couple minutes left in this section, and I'm talking only if you want to talk about this. I know I wound some folks up already with some of the other topics we're going to talk about because the phone started ringing. Uh, but if you've got a question on um, what's going on at the Indianapolis Public Library related to the African-American History um, uh, Initiative Youth Summit that they have going on, you can call with a question or comment on that. And that only 317-239-1009. Just trying to keep it real so we can stay on time here because there's a lot we're going to talk about uh, here on the show. We'll have plenty of time to talk about the other things if we can stay focused. Uh, Cordelia, you do have some calls. I I will go to that in just a second. Um, But tell people how they can get involved. Sure. They can go to our website at www.ndpl.org. Um, you know, we also will have Dr. Keeman Neal, who will be our main speaker. So the young people, they'll get lunch. Um, it is, you know, I have, I've had some calls like, oh, it's during the day. It is during the day on Friday. Well, it's like from nine to one. If your school even wants to come as a, um, as a group, you can actually go to our website, get them signed up. Um, we would love to bring everyone in. Again, encouraging young people, talking about the medical field, and not just doctors. I mean, even when we honored our medical heroes in October, I was excited. We had some nurses some nurse practitioners, dentists. So just the medical field alone, encouraging more young black people to get into the medical field. Let's go to the phones real quick. 317-239-1009. Caller on line one. Good morning. Who's this? Excuse me, me, Black Cameron. Good morning. How you doing, Black Cameron? I'm all right. It's good to hear your voice on this Sunday. Thank you. Uh, This Sunday morning. I, 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 I'm, I'm hearing uh, 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 we, uh, 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 the thing is, we got a problem. We're going to have a problem. We got to encourage the parents to bring our youth to stuff like that. Mm-hmm. We have to encourage our parents to bring our babies to go to places like that, once we, because our parents, our, some of our parents, uh, they don't uh, bring them mm-hmm. to places like that when 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 it's research out there. That's right. All right, uh, I got to stop you for time, you Reverend Phillips. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you very much, Kevin. All right. Uh, so just like Reverend Phillips said, uh, Ms. Watkins, how, how can people uh, get involved? What are the dates? Let's start there. Yep, Friday, this Friday, April the 21st. And he had, he had a really great point. So um, we encourage the parents to come. Actually, if they're not coming through a school and they're coming on their own, any student that is under the age of 12, we ask that the parents come. So, yes. We want the he's he's totally right. Absolutely, we want the parents to come. Um, also, the opportunity even for um, some of these sponsors to be able to talk to the parents. Um, there's a book out there that's called How to Raise a Black 
doctor. And so we're going to be giving away books. They're going to have lunch on us, all of the above. So you just basically bring the student, go through these workshops with the student, and you'll leave. We're hoping that you'll leave with something in your hands and on your mind to think about, maybe I want to go into the medical field. And these people will be there to help them work through even the medical school processes. We've got a lot of medical schools that'll be there too. So it's this coming Friday, April 21st, correct? Yes, sir. And then what time? And it starts at 9.30 a.m. 9.30 a.m. running mm-hmm. until? Until 1.30. Until one thirty. And lunch is included. And lunch is included. All right. Got yes. to talk about the food. That's, that, that's, I know. <laughs> that sometimes makes all the difference. All right. It if, does. if folks need more information between now and then, where can they go as we get ready to go to commercial break? Thank you. www.ndpl.org. All right. NDPL.org. Ms. Watkins, thank you so much for starting your Sunday with us, as well as your nearly 30 years at the Indianapolis Public Library and what you are doing as the chairwoman of the African-American History Committee. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. Have Absolutely. A great day. You as well. Still to come here on the show this morning, we'll be talking with Eskenazi Health. They are hard at work trying to uh, limit those disparities, health disparities that we are seeing here in central Indiana. And they're spending a lot of money. They're putting their their money and their name uh, where their mouth is to try and make a difference. We'll be talking with them about how they are doing that and how you can get involved. That is coming up in moments. Stay tuned for more of Open Lines. I'm Indy's newsman, Cameron Riddle, coming to you. On 106.7 WTLC and the new hot 100.9. Brandon, let's try and take a three-minute, a short three-minute commercial break. We're more, back with more open lines after this. is Indy's favorite Sunday morning show. It's the show that brings you news about what's happening in Indy and around the world with Indy's newsman, Cameron Riddle. It's the show where Indy comes to talk. It's Open Lines with Cameron Riddle. And we are back with Open Lines. I'm Indy's newsman, Cameron Riddle, on 106.7 WTLC on the new Hot 100.9 on this Saturday. No, it's Sunday. It's always Sunday. The show only airs on Sunday. I guess I could use some more sleep. All right. Eskenazi Health is doing their part to make a difference with health disparities. You know, one of the uh, the biggest health care providers here in central Indiana. Uh, They notice what is going on and so that's why they want to be not only part of um, 
helping you when you need it as a reaction, but also some preventative measures uh, to help keep you healthy, uh, to help make a difference, um, to close the gap on a lot of disparities that happen to one group of people, but maybe not to another. So why is that and how can they fix it? I'll let the experts explain all of that. From Eskenazi Health, we have, and computer just froze, Emily from Eskenazi Health. Not Emily, I'm sorry. I'm losing my train of thought as I try to um, go back to what it is I had written for this segment. And I'm losing what I was going to say as I introduced uh, Kimberly McElroy-Jones, doctor, by the way, who is the Director of Community Partnerships for the Community uh, Health with Eskenazi Health, as well as uh, Ted Grain, who is the Vice President of Social Detriments of Health with Eskenazi Health Foundation. Now, you see why I needed to write all of that down, and I couldn't remember uh, where I put it. Uh, Kimberly and Ted, join us on our live line right now. Good morning. Good morning. Thank Good you. Good morning. Ted, Kim, good morning. Thank you so much for coming on the show here. Uh, tell us what, what you guys at Eskenazi are doing. You've got a $60 million campaign that uh, is uh, designed to reduce health disparities. Well, I'll, I guess I'll start off. Uh, this is Ted Grain. Um, the biggest gap that we're seeking to address is the life expectancy gap that is uh, pretty prevalent in Indianapolis. So if you look at certain neighborhoods uh, as compared to other neighborhoods, there's a 16-year difference in life expectancy. So our call to action uh, initially is really that where you live should not determine how long you live. How much of a difference is that? I mean, are we talking, and by difference, I mean distance. Is it neighborhoods that it could be in the same city? Could if you live on the east side of Indianapolis, is do you see a major difference if you live on the near east side? Or does it have to be a different county? Is it hours away? How far do you have to go to see a disparity? Not far at all. It's actually within, you know, comparing uh, those neighbors, just as you were saying, and particularly um, the, the suburbs that are in real close proximity um, it's even a little bit higher than that, uh, the disparity between the age gap. So $60 million for this campaign. What is Eskenazi? Obviously, they're trying to reduce the health uh, disparities. How are you going to do that? Um, I guess I'll jump in a little bit. So what we're doing is we are um, rolling out our initiative that we're calling the Health Equity Zone Initiative. Um, and so what this really is, is a systemic approach to address the upstream health challenges that face our patients in our community. And we are charged with covering Marion County. And so with our initial health equity zone initiative, we are rolling out uh, three neighborhoods that we're starting with. And the first three neighborhoods are the International Marketplace, which is on the northwest side of Indianapolis, the Northeast Corridor which is on the East 38th Street um, area, and then the Far East Side, which is um, near, uh, well, not near, but the Grassy Creek area, mm-hmm. 42nd and Post, mm-hmm. the, the Far East Side. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in that area, uh, we talk a lot about the Far East Side because of the number of things uh, that the area doesn't have. It's a food desert. It's a school desert. 
Um, it's it's a it's a number of things. Desert grocery store, desert healthcare, desert. W- what can somebody and we'll just pick on that uh, particular area because we talk about it often. What can somebody in that area expect to see? Well, um, the first thing that we're doing is conducting a listening process uh, because we believe that, you know, Eskenazi Health knows what's happening from a clinical perspective. We see a lot of patients in that area, but we also want to learn from what's happening already in the neighborhood and the neighborhood leadership, uh, not only what neighborhood residents think, but also where's the momentum? What's, What's already happening? What could we add fuel uh, to the fire, if you will. And ultimately, the Far East Side has a lot of great things, uh, great momentum going on. And we are partnering with an organization called CAFE, Community mm-hmm. Alliance we for the Cafe. Far East Side, mm-hmm. um, as well as many other partners in that area to really think through, okay, um, what's happening? And then what could we do uh, to uh, add a little bit uh, of help there? So why did Eskenazi decide to do something um, about this? Um, Ultimately, really oh, go, ahead, under- go ahead, Ted. <laughs> no, you go. <laughs> you see, we're passionate about our work. Indeed. Um, we are, um, we've essentially been charged with this, you know, just as being the health system that we are, the safety net, you know, public hospital um, and so we've been seeing it. We've been seeing the challenges that our patients have been facing. We've been screening our patients to understand. And then we also recognize that the majority of the issues that our patients are facing don't come from getting that actual clinical care. It's the stressors that are outside the walls of the clinics. And so we've been trying to address holistically the health of not only our patients, but our community. We're talking this morning with Eskenazi Health as they are working to reduce health disparities here in central Indiana. Among the things that they are doing is setting up health equity zones in low-income areas of Indianapolis, Marion County, uh, with neighborhood leaders to reduce uh, residents to increase access to health care, mental health uh, care, as well as nutritious foods. Uh, Again, those are all things that we have talked about in certain areas of Indianapolis that they don't have. Eskenazi says it'll set up uh, health equity zones by 2025. They will be known as Eskenazi Health Center West at 38th Street at the International Marketplace, Eskenazi Health Center East, 38th Street, and at the Northeast Corridor, and Eskenazi Health Grassy Creek on the far east side. So you guys are literally setting up um, actual physical health clinic units um, that will be specifically placed in these neighborhoods because of the lack of health care? One of, one of the things that uh, we're doing is building our internal capacity to do this. So we've created a new role called a community weaver. Uh, this is uh, somebody that's tasked with at the neighborhood level. So we mentioned Far East Side, so at the Grassy Creek Clinic, um, the community weaver's job would really be to make sure to connect uh, with all the community partners. Um, and Kim could speak more to this, uh, given her role as our director of community partnerships for community health. But really, we we feel like Eskenazi Health cannot do it alone, and mm-hmm. it's really uh, important to make sure to partner intelligently with the neighborhood partners and citywide partners to address all these issues. So if you miss what Ted said as we go to Kim, they are hiring. Definitely. (laughs) 
definitely hiring. Um, and, you know, we're as you can tell, Ted and I are very passionate about our work. But as he said that um, it's not our goal to come in neighborhoods and overtake what they're doing. We want to uh, enhance and add our part and our expertise to, you know, just improving the overall health of our community. And so we have to identify what are they already doing, what are the assets in these different neighborhoods, um, who are the leaders, and because we are co-creating this work with the neighborhoods. We're not coming in and saying, hey, we're the experts and we think we need to do this, this, mm-hmm. and this. There are um, individuals that are already doing work that are helping us address the social determinants of health. And so we want to partner, and then we want to uh, partner with grassroots organizations. We want to partner with corporations. We want to partner with churches and anyone else that can help us address the various challenges that our neighbors are facing. And so in addition to um, bringing, um, well, not bringing, our, our clinics are already established in these areas. What we're trying to do is enhance what happens outside of the walls. So are there challenges with education? Are there challenges with economic opportunities? Um, who can help us, you know, co-create different types of programs to help improve the overall health of our community. Um, and a lot of these issues are, are tasks that we're tasked with are really the stressors. Do you have issues with housing? Do you have nutritious food, as you stated earlier? So all those different areas, uh, transportation, you know, transportation to get you to a health uh, mm-hmm. appointment, transportation actually to get you to childcare or even um, a job. So not just the things that affect their clinical health, but the things that affect their health outside of the clinic walls. We're talking this morning with Kimberly McElroy Jones and Ted Grain, both from Eskenazi Health Hospital. If you've got a question about this topic and this topic only, you can call us if you've got a question or comment, 317-239-1009, 317-239-1009. We're going to have open lines to talk about other things on the other side of the upcoming commercial break. So if you've got something about Eskenazi Health and what they are doing, you can call us 317-239-1009. We're going to stay on topic and stay on time with this topic and this topic only. Anything else? I'm going to ask you to hold off and wait. Uh, Kim and Ted, is this the only, is this the first time um, a building will carry the name Eskenazi outside of the Eskenazi Hospital that's downtown off 10th Street? Is this the first physical expansion? So um, we have actually uh, 19 different locations beyond the Eskenazi Health Hospital. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, of those, 14 of them are primary care locations. Mm-hmm. And part of what we're doing with this campaign and the $60 million is really enhancing that primary care. So uh, we've talked about the three different neighborhoods. Um, so th- we have a clinic at West 38th Street. It's our largest clinic currently. Yes, that's right. I pass um, that all the time. What am I talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, uh, but there, there is an effort to improve the primary care, and one of the things that we're doing right now is uh, we're building a new clinic right at um, East 38th Street in Arlington. Okay. And that will be uh, a really a flagship uh, operation, um, really uh, combining both primary care, mental health, uh, access to nutrition services, um, some community um, space. 
for the community itself to be able to to organize and to be a part of that. Um, so we're pretty excited about that new location. All right, let's go to the phones real quick. 317-239-1009. Caller on line one. Good morning. Who's this? You got a question for Eskenazi? I just got one question, Cameron. All right. Why do they want to help so much for these people who are out there uh, eating poisonous food? You go to the supermarket, right? You see a, a shopping cart full of uh, Diet Coke or a Pepsi or a Mountain Dew. You see that. That's 99% of the problem. They've not mentioned one word about that, but they are trying to beat the bush, Cameron. I think it's unethical for them to do this. When they're going to a population that they know is super vulnerable, there's really nothing they can do for them. Those people are, are, are hopeless. The only thing they can do is exploitation if they go out there with their programs because they know when the $60 million runs out, they're going to leave that state with a bunch of junkies and a bunch of uh, people who need medication to uh, prolong their lives and going to be, that are going to be desperate. So they need to leave those people alone. All I right. mean, All right, there Ma- comes a time when ethics has to show up. All right, mayoral candidate. Medical models, medical madness. All right, mayoral candidate Larry Vaughn, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. Uh, there's Larry's thoughts on uh, the health deserts, the food deserts. Don't call and um, get riled up about Larry. Let's stay on topic. But I'm going to take what Larry said and say um, the following. In those areas, yes, you go to the grocery store if you can find one in these certain areas. Um, and sure, people are getting unhealthy food or are unhealthy. But look at their options. You know, you talk about what they're picking up at the store. There's no Whole Foods over there. There's no um, uh, health uh, what would you call it? Vegan something. There's no naturally grown anything in these places. So isn't that why um, a place like Eskenazi would want to go in said neighborhood where the yeah. little resources that they do have aren't great and they're not healthy. So why not the health hospital go to that area to help? I don't know. So um, Cameron, let me address that. So one of the things that we're doing um, is with, with our food strategy is that we are deploying a fresh for you market on wheels that will actually have fresh food on a bus that we have retrofitted to turn it into a market. Um, and not only is this a market, it is a food market in addition to a pantry. And so we are screening our patients to see if they're dealing with food insecurity And so when we are screening our patients, we're not trying to just screen them and just send them away with no resources. What we're trying to do is we're trying to tie their need um, to address their needs with the particular resources that they need. And so that's why we have the community weaver. That's why we're going to have the market. And so this market will drive to the various areas um, on different days of the week. And so in addition to the market, there will be education that is offered with regard to how to eat and prepare foods nutritionally, not just here and go walk away. We're not trying to just address something and not provide the resources needed to, to manage it long term. And that's why we're dealing with it, you know, from a long term perspective. You can't address life expectancy in a five-year period or 10-year period. This is a long-term strategy that we're trying to implement. It's not something that um, we're just, you know, we're going to spend this money and then we're done. We've been addressing this 
ever since Eskenazi has been in existence. And I am a native to Indianapolis and one of those people that um, the caller uh, talked about, we should just leave the people, people alone. And I don't believe that we should just leave the people alone because I was one of those people. And so we need to address needs in the best way we can. No one has every answer to every problem, but we're going to try to meet the needs where we can meet needs. And we want to do that in partnership with others. Kim and Ted, we're going to have to leave it right there. The music is playing quickly. How can people uh, get in touch with Eskenazi on a number of issues, including the hiring that is going to happen to get into these new projects that Eskenazi is working on to uh, solve some health disparities? Um, you can con contact us. Uh, go to the uh, Eskenazi Health website, and there's a neighborhood services uh, portion of that website. And uh, that's probably the best way to get in touch with us. All right. Kim, Kimberly McElroy-Jones, doctor, by the way, and Ted Grain, the vice president of Social Detriments of Health at Eskenazi Health. Thank you both so much for starting your Sunday with us, bringing us information and uh, putting resources in the places that we all obviously know are lacking them. Thank you so much. Thank you for the time. It's our pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, Ted. Have Thank you, one. Kim. You as All well. Right. All right. It is now time to open the phone lines here on Open Lines. There's a lot to talk about. One of the things that I brought up at the top of the show, I'd love to hear from you on. The Fraternal Order of Police is clapping back, saying, we are not. Don't send us as police into these mental health calls and situations if we're going to end up being prosecuted and indicted for our response. That's what happened this week when two officers who this time last year responded to the home of Herbin Whitfield III, his family called, said he was having a psychosis episode. It ended with Herman's death. And now this week, charges have been filed. It's something that protesters, including Black Lives Member Matters members, have been asking for some time. Stop sending police to these mental health calls because they're not trained. Well, now the leader, Rick Snyder of the Indianapolis Fraternal Order of Police, is echoing that call, but for a slightly different reason. But the goal he's asking for is the same. What do you think about that? Should police stop responding to these calls? 317-239-1009. 317-239-1009. More open lines with you coming up after this break. Open Lines is Indy's favorite Sunday morning show. It's the show that brings you news about what's happening in Indy and around the world with Indy's newsman, Cameron Riddle. It's the show where Indy comes to talk. It's Open Lines with Cameron Riddle. I love that theme music from Fox 59. We're going to talk about a story that aired on Fox 59, making some breaking news here this week with, with the fraternal order of police. But real quick, i got to say a personal note. You've seen me anchoring the weekend news on Fox 59 for the past two months or so. And this coming week, my good friend, Jenny Dressler, is taking over the weekend. So shout out to her. But I want to say thank you to all of you who stayed with us on the weekends while 
I held down in the transition period, anchoring the weekend news at 10 o'clock. Thank you so much. Ratings held up. I looked at it. It looked good. Thank you, y'all. Uh, thanks for staying with us here on the radio. So next week, catch my friend Jenny as she takes over the weekend anchor desk on Fox 59 News starting at 10 o'clock. You will love her. You might have recognized her from a previous station on Meridian Street where she used to work. But now we're glad to welcome her to the Fox family. With that said, on Fox 59 this week, we had a number of breaking news stories that aired, including the call from the fraternal order of police to no longer respond to mental health crisis runs. Now, this is something that uh, members of Black Lives Matter, protesters, and a number of other groups have been saying for the past three years or so uh, to stop sending police where they maybe are not properly trained to these mental health calls. Well, last year this time, the family of Herman Whitfield III called police because they said their son, who was an adult, was having a psychosis episode. It ended with Herman dying um, after his contact with police. And so for the first time now, we are hearing the fraternal order of police say, fine. And you're going to hear Rick Snyder's voice here in just a second say, don't send us to these police calls, these mental, these, these runs dealing with mental health. If we're going to end up being prosecuted or sent to jail for our response, Michael Van Skoik, my colleague from Fox 59, covered this story the other night. He talked with uh, both the family of Herman Whitfield III and Rick Snyder about what should happen now in the future. We're going to listen to this story from Michael, and then on, on the other side, we're going straight to the phones with you. If you haven't already, call me, 317-239-1009. I know the lines are already hot because the lights are flashing. Uh, we're going to come to you in just a moment. Right now, here's this report from Fox 59's Michael Van Skoik. Good evening. The FOP says Whitfield's death is a tragedy, but argues the facts of this case do not warrant criminal charges. The group says Officer Ahmad and Sanchez were sent to help and they tried to do just that. Now the FOP says police should no longer be the initial response to mental health emergencies. Following Thursday's indictment, the Indianapolis Fraternal Order of Police is calling on Chief Randall Taylor to immediately cease sending officers to any mental health runs and mental health calls for service. If it's a mental health issue, then that means it's a health issue. No different than if somebody was suffering a, a cardiac incident. FOP President Rick Snyder says EMS and fire should respond to these types of calls first, not police. And then if they identify that there's a crime or something that is needed for us in a law enforcement capacity, they can then call us for assistance rather than the other way around. Hey, did you call? Yeah, what's going on? The son's having a psychosis. Police responded yeah, first on the night of Whitfield's death. Unless there's a known crime or an allegation of crime, we should not be sending police officers now, especially when we can find out that on the backside they can go to jail for simply trying to help. The FOP argues responding officers tried to do everything they could to help. Officers uh, employ de-escalation tactics. They also utilize less lethal options, such as an electronic control device, that being a taser, and then also went hands-on. Whitfield family attorney Richard Waples says otherwise. He argues the city and IMPD clearly violated its own policies that night. The officers um, ignored his pleas that he couldn't breathe and left him in a prone position with weight upon his back. Uh, in violation of the IMPD's own orders. The FOP hopes the trial will bring the facts to light. In the meantime, FOP officers want to see that protocol changed. We're the ones that have been thrown into the middle of that time and time again. But if in doing so, to provide that safety, we're going to go to jail for that, uh, I don't think that's going to happen. 
We reached out to IMPD about this. The department says it is, quote, constantly evaluating our policies, training and response to runs involving those experiencing a mental health crisis and other calls for service. It says the department plans to meet with its partner public safety agencies to discuss this in the near future. Meanwhile, IEMS tells us, quote, when someone calls for help, they need to be assured that the necessary services will arrive, and that includes those who also protect our IEMS providers. You can find these full statements on our website, but for now in the studio, Michael Van Skoik, Fox 59 News. And Michael, thank you for helping us out with that report. Fox 59's Michael Van Skoik on the story on Fox 59 News. More on that, fox59.com. All right, that's the news. What are your thoughts? We're going straight to the phones and we're staying there till we wrap up the show at 9 o'clock this morning. 317-239-1009. 317-239-1009. FOP saying, hey, don't send us to any more of these calls if we're going to end up being thrown in jail you just heard the president of the FOP Rick Snyder say it right there himself again this is now echoing with with what protesters were saying it's just the the initial spark of what made him say that has changed um, for the protesters it was people uh, dying uh, at the hands of police in situations where they said stop sending police on Rick Snyder's side it's that officers are being prosecuted for their response so the Initial triggers are different, but at the end, they're now calling for the same thing, to stop sending police officers to respond to mental health crisis runs. Now the city has to figure out, what are we going to do? What are your thoughts? 317-239-1009. The floor is yours, Indianapolis. Caller on line one. Good morning. Who's this? Greetings. How are you doing this morning, Cameron? Good, Paul. How are you? Oh, I'm well. Greetings to everybody. First of all, the, uh, the, the Fraternal Order of Police don't dictate to the police chief. Uh, what, 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 what the rules are and, and who they see and where. Secondly, I noticed that the president, uh, his, their response to anything is always violence. I never heard anything about them saying, well, we're going to come here and peacefully talk about this or that or anything. It's the, the taser, the gun. You know, we we getting killed at traffic stops all because we're not obeying them. Uh, uh, the fraternal order of a police should stop representing these Ku Klux Klan's master mentality people and the police chief needs to change the narrative as far as how they police period because it's un it's just unnecessary to approach uh our community and i'm talking about people of color with violence uh on these types of things because i've seen actually caucasian people fighting the police and and never was tased shot or, or any of these things so uh, you know, we, we got to come away uh, from the way that the police are handling us. Because if I uh, continue to drive uh, past the speed limit, I'm going to continue to get tickets. So All if right. they're stopping people, if they're stopping people or killing people uh, for these lesser crimes, then that's what needs to be addressed in order for us to uh, uh, function and have any type of respect for the people that police our neighborhoods. Everybody have a wonderful day. Paul, thank you so much. 317-239-1009. 317-239-1009. Let's try to keep our comments to a minute or so because the phones are hot. H-O-T. 317-239-1009. When you hear somebody hang up, that's the time to go ahead and jump in. If you're hearing my voice through the phone, that means you are on standby. Up next to come on through. If you're hearing a busy signal, keep trying. But when somebody hangs up, that's a good time to go ahead and jump in. 317-239-1009-317-239-1009. Caller on line two. Good morning. Who's this? Good morning, Cameron. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? 
I'm doing pretty good. I'm a little under the weather, but still moving forward. I wanted to say on on two a couple of comments, and I know you said in one minute, so I'm watching the time okay. right now. Uh, I wanted to say concerning the mental health issue, mm-hmm. I do not know what happened to the mental health team because uh, that was one thing that had been used. I don't know how it got canceled out because they were sending mental health teams out with uh, IMPD. So I don't know. I don't know if it's a pilot program and got uh, trashed or what ha- whatever happened, but they need to look at that again. Also having to deal with it on the uh, side of the mental health person, because I've had to deal with those situations uh, myself on for friends and family members, that one of the things that people need to look at when, when they're calling about that mental health piece is understanding that they're, they're going to come out, they're going to be Formed. And it's unfortunate that they don't have the team in place to deal with the mental health crisis because mm-hmm. it's so needed. So I wanted to make sure that I, I mentioned that, that there was a team that I don't know what happened to it because I know someone who worked it. So I, I don't know how it ended up because I haven't had communication with the person for some time. But that needs to be looked at again. Also, I wanted to say, and concerning um, uh, I, I'm working on uncovering odds and situations. And since you had the school piece on earlier, mm-hmm. Robert Bainey, the uh, representative Robert Bainey, if you look at him on House Bill uh, 1321, mm-hmm. which is the bill with Fairby, and you will find out that's the bill that he's been proposing. You will see him also on House Bill uh, uh, SB, uh, House Bill 1550. And that was doing with union dues. If you were a teacher and you had union dues coming out of your uh, check automatically, they were canceling that. So he has been a union buster in the term in terms of privatization of these schools. And if you pull his jacket over what bills he has been sponsoring, you will see that he has been a great demise to the educational process. And I, I know that we have Farabee, I know we have the superintendent, current superintendent that has participated in the privatization of our schools. Mm-hmm. But we have to look at us behind the curtain just getting the real fat, fat money on the the, the different bills that he has been a part of sponsoring. What was that first bill? Was it 1321? It's Robert Banning. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, Banning. B-E-H-N-I-N-G. What was that first that bill? Did you say it was 1321? House Bill 1321. Okay. And you will see he dug in deep. So he got some brown faces in front. But we're talking about eyes behind the curtain, and that is one area that I intend to really push more, that we as voters understand what these legislators are doing in their process of putting the brown faces in front while they're collecting the big, big money in the back. So thank you for giving me that time, Robert Boehning, Representative Robert Boehning, House Bill 1321, House Bill 1550, House Bill uh, Senate Bill 358, which he was a part of sponsoring, too. So it's, it's a whole list of them. If you pull them up, they're all about privatization of our public schools. And we need our public schools because they take all our kids, not just some of them. Have a great day. Thank you so much. Yeah, I've been hearing a lot about that discussion we were having a couple weeks ago about uh, the schools and the type of schools and what's going on at the State House. We'll have more on that topic as well as uh, this INPD situation, two shows that I'm actively working on planning more about what's going on in education, charter schools, public schools, private schools, and now uh, this mental health response at uh, from from IMPD and the comments from the FOP. All that coming up. Good good ideas. Let's keep on the phones. 317-239-1009. Caller on line three. Good morning. Who's this? Hey, good morning. 
morning, Cameron. Good morning. I'm giving hey, you 30 because uh, we already heard from you today, boss. Okay, yeah. Uh, I just want uh, people to know that if you have any, because uh, what they're trying to do is, Cameron, they don't want to send these police officers to these mental health runs, and they get cued, and then they get and then they go to jail because you know we have to understand they got body cameras. When they come to that residence, them cameras is on, Cameron. And yeah, them cameras is on because because they protected. They self, you know, some of the public, they like to accuse people. Yep. I'm a, all right, they like to accuse people. And when they accuse people, them body cameras is on. That's when they what, come to that residence. Well, that's why we know so much about yeah. what we know on this that's situation right they now. Don't want they also, that's why they don't want they officers to come to these accused. Uh, 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 Yep. All right. Stop. I'm gonna say I gotta, know these body cameras. Some of these people know these body cameras on. All right. I gotta stop you right there. Thank you, Reverend Phillips. That's right. That's why we know so much about what we know about this uh Herman Woodfield situation because of officers were wearing body cameras. I'm gonna keep you to a minute. We got about five minutes left in the show. I'm sorry in advance for those who don't make it, but keep calling in. Let's stay on the phones. 317-239-1009. Caller on line <clears throat> one. Good morning. Who's this? Good brother Cameron, his brother Motep, voice still gone from yes. coaching soccer. Yes, sir. I'm a good kid. Those tab just but I'll keep it real brief. Number one, people, as a healthcare professional, you don't have to call the police for help. I'm telling you this. This is from brother. This ain't from WTOC. If your loved one is having an issue, call and say you're having chest pain, so you get paramedics. Paramedics are caregivers. Paramedics know how to give care. Paramedics know how they have different medications to help calm people down. They know what to do, and they're not armed. This is from me. I'm telling you, if you don't believe me, call the hospitals and ask the ER doctors what to do. They'll tell you the same thing. So do that. These police and Rick, Rick, uh, whatever his name is, Snyder. of FOP, they're pitiful. They're not trained. Their training is terrible as it is already. How are you scared and you're the one with six people, guns and tasers? It makes no sense. Number two, I've talked to some elders here. This is a critical situation. Real quick, 20 seconds. I've talked to some elders here and about the library situation and Eugene White. Some well-known elders here that donate to campaigns that are definitely people who have influence. And they all say Eugene White is a different character. Now, the reason why I bring this up, because when he put out that statement publicly, mm-hmm. certain people in this network respected Eugene White and felt that his word was the end-all, be-all. That is not the case, people. We have to look deeper in the surface, look at his own motives, and the word from these esteemed black people is that he is a different character. There's a problem down there at the library, and he's not one to be bought in, and we should stop recycling these old folks and get some young ideas and fresh ideas in, like we're seeing in Nashville with those young college students and those fresh people coming in to help those mm-hmm. brothers down there. That is what is needed here. we got to stop this, and Nyla's right. These black faces they got out here, we got to stop looking at them as black and look at them as agents of the system. Thanks for taking my call. All right, MOTEP, thank you. Keeping an eye on the library situation, too. A lot to keep an eye on. Library, schools, police, we're staying on top of all of it. Uh, 317-239-1009. I know some folks are not going to get in, so I'm going to apologize here in advance, but I'm going to do our best. Let's try to do, let's do 30 seconds of call. (laughs) We're running out of time. Caller on line two. Good morning. Who's this? 
This is Mike. Mike, you got 30 seconds. Turn your radio down. Hit it. All right, man, this is the problem right here, man. We need to go back into the old days. We need to turn everything back around, give people the real penalties, what they deserve. If you kill, you get killed. If you if you, if you you steal from somebody, you need to get your hands cut off. That's just what it needs to be because right now, everything, the laws right now are set for you to make money, spend money, and it's greed. So all that greed then came and focused on the reason why the police should be doing what they should be doing, and that's protecting and serving. All right, appreciate you keeping and, it short. As far as the, and I got one more comment. Ten as far seconds. As the, the libraries, the libraries, I think that we got too many of them. I think we need to have centers that teach people how to grow a business, teach people how to do other things. Just because you put a library in a in a city or in a, in a bad area, that doesn't help. That that's why it never helped. It never helps. It never did help. All right, I'm gonna stop you right there. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, running out of time. Three one seven two three nine one zero zero nine. Caller on three. Good morning. Who's this? Yes, my name is Dwayne. Dwayne, you got 30 seconds. Talk to me. Okay. So, I'm going to have to be an advocate. I work in the legal justice field. And I would have to say that, first off, law enforcement is just what it is, law enforcement. When you call for the police, you got to understand that we don't know what we're walking into. We don't know what what situation is if there's an ambush, whatever, we don't know. We got families, we got lives, we trying to go home too. But we also trying to do a service. So if you have a loved one that has a mental illness, then maybe you should hire a agency that looks after them. Don't call the police. Don't call if you don't want the response, period. All right, I appreciate you, and I can tell that you're an officer of the law. So thank you for uh, thank you for your thank you for your service. Uh, as there's still a, a lot to go on. Hey, guess what? Nine o'clock. It's time to wrap up the show. As you can imagine, the phone lines are still ringing, and we're gonna have much more uh, on this conversation, on this, and a number of other topics coming up here on Open Lines. Thank you so much for joining us. If you missed any portion of the show, you can call. You can go and listen to the show wherever it is you get your podcasts and continue to listen in. And we'll be back same time, same station next Sunday live at 8. Coming up on Hot 100.9, it's Brandon. He's holding down the studio on WTLC. The Reverend Al is about to start his show. I'm going to come back with more for you, but on TV on Fox 59 starting at 4 a.m. And CBS 4 starting at 5 a.m. tomorrow morning. I'm Indy's newsman, Cameron Middle. I'm everywhere. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. We'll see you next Sunday. Have a great week.